What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Are you ready to go offside? Because it's Offside Hockey Talk with your host, James Roberts. Ladies and gentlemen, it's always a good to get the first-hand account of things that are going on in Leafland. And when I need that insight, I turn to one guy, and that's Terry Koshan of the Toronto Sun. He's joined the show many a time. I can call him friend of the show now. Terry, how's the evening shaking out for you? It's going good, Jamie. Just kind of looking forward to tomorrow and, you know, seeing where it goes from there. <laughs> so we were just discussing just a couple seconds ago about the fact when we talked last time that we didn't think this was going to come back and didn't think it was going to be safe to do so. Uh, I guess we were kind of both wrong in that regard, but what do you think got everything to this point, and how did Toronto become a hub city of all places? I mean, I know Vegas was in the mix, and then Vancouver, and then all of a sudden it looked like it was going to be uh, maybe Columbus as a, t- a spot, and then all of a sudden now we have Toronto and Edmonton. Well, you know what? I think when we last talked, Jamie, we we couldn't envision the, you know really the hub city idea or at least it working. And, you know, as we've seen what the coronavirus has done in the United States and how it keeps not even keeps spiking. It just keeps rolling along, if you will. And, and there seems to be no end in sight. Uh, you know, Toronto and, and other places in Canada became the viable options. I think the NHL wanted to go to Vancouver. We know what Dr. Bonnie Henry said to uh, that idea in British Columbia, which is fine. Toronto and Edmonton, you know, neither place, uh, has, has had the, obviously the, um, the, uh, the cases of coronavirus that we've seen in some of the states, areas and states I wanted to go to. In fact, you know, it's, it's, it's seemingly under control for now. And, um, you know, the way they've constructed the bubbles in both cities, I mean, I don't see it infiltrating either one. I mean, the fact that the NHL announced today on Monday, Jamie, that there are no positive cases from July 18th to 25th tells you how uh, seriously the NHL players are taking this, how seriously the teams are taking it. And, um, you know, I would imagine that going forward, even if there's the odd case or so, it's not going to derail necessarily what the NHL wants to get done here, which is the award Stanley Cup sometime late September or October. So here we are, and, uh, you know, let's see if it uh, can, can, you know, come off the ground like they're expecting it will be, or will to, sorry. No, I'm, I'm very excited for it to get rolling. Before we get into any Maple Leafs talk, obviously, want to get all the doom and gloom scenarios out of the way um, from anything that you have heard, I mean, you know, the, the NHL hasn't given itself a lot of wiggle room for, you know, anything to go wrong or for anything to be pushed. Um, do you know of any contingency plans in case anything does go off the rails or has to be pushed due to COVID infiltrating the uh, the bubbles? Well, it depends what you mean and how. I think it's one of those moving, not necessarily moving target, but how much of this they might uh, face. I mean, you know, we're seeing in Major League Baseball right now a lot of teams getting um, decimated with, with COVID-19 cases with their starting players. And, you know, you'd like to think that if the NHL comes up against something similar that, you know, there would be a halt to it at some point. But, but who knows? I mean, yeah. it's um, it's hard to see it right now, and I'm sure those, play, those plans are in place. Uh, but the fact of the matter is the, the, the way the National Hockey League has gone about setting this up, I don't know if that's necessarily a big worry right now. Um, 
you know, you would think that you would have seen more of this or more of these cases of players coming back into their, into their uh, cities and that sort of thing, their training facilities. We did see a few, you know, some players have acknowledged as much. And of course we had Austin Matthews here in Toronto, but by and large, you haven't seen it. And certainly if you haven't seen it for the past week, you kind of find it a little bit difficult to, to see how you're going to see it now in, in the weeks coming up. And, you know, the media is a good example. They're keeping us out of it. Although, you know, in the last, uh, out of the bubble, I mean, but in the last couple of weeks, we've been at Maple Leafs practice. We've been not close to the players by any stretch of the imagination, but we've been in that vicinity and everything's gone off without a hit. So everything the NHL has done to this point has led me to believe that it's going to continue forward on the same successful path. Will there be cases? Possibly. Probably. Will there be enough to, to kind of uh, get the NHL off track here? I, I don't see that happening. Well, that's a good thing. The, the only other question that I have for you in this regard yeah. for the doom and gloom scenario is, you know, there's some teams that are having players come in later. Uh, you look at Victor Hedman, maybe Casha uh, for the uh, the Boston Bruins, and I don't know if any other players are, are lingering back before they join the bubble. Um I'm wondering if that has raised any concern amongst anyone or is that just basically uh, something that every team is dealing with, with players kind of having to tie up loose ends before they get into the hub? Yeah, I don't think it's, I don't think it's raising the concerns uh, generally um, I, because I, I, I think it goes back to what I, I said. It's just the, the NHL players are taking this quite seriously, rather seriously, completely seriously to the point that, you know, if they're not with their hub city or with their teams in the hub cities, uh, I think they'll do everything to ensure that once they get there, they won't test positive. And, you know, you got the guys coming from Tampa where that's been a bit of a hot spot, of course, in Florida, where the whole state has been. So that's not a great situation there. But um, by and large, I don't, I don't think it's a concern at all uh, for these players, these late uh, comers, if you will. Um, and then, you know, once, once they do get there uh, to their, you know, the hub cities, uh, so much is in place to ensure that uh, you know if, if these things were to happen, if there were to be positives, that they would be um, you know kept away from everybody else and all that sort of thing. But you know, judging by the numbers this week, i.e., zero as far as positive cases yep. go, I think it was over 800 players uh, tested. Um, like I say, the NHL is on the way to something here. You'd like to think, fingers crossed, and everything. I mean, you know, things could happen that we don't anticipate, but. Uh, as of right now, it looks good, and I don't think, like I say, late stragglers coming in are necessarily going to uh, knock that off uh, where they're going. Well, no, that's a good thing to hear. There's a lot of people, you see them chirping online, obviously, and you know a lot of social media saying, you know, I can't believe this player is hanging back. He shouldn't be allowed in the bubble. You know, it's a question to ask only because you don't want anything infiltrating the bubble, and you're right. These guys will right. have to sit and you know produce negative tests before they're able to join their teammates and join the on-ice session. So, you know, all of that is good, and what the NHL have done so far is by and large probably one of the best setups there is. I mean, yep. you look at the NBA being down in Florida, like you just mentioned, that's a hot spot. Then obviously MLB is traveling, um, so that's only going to you know add fuel to the fire of catching COVID. You're going through airports, yep. you're going through different cities. So I think the hub city idea for the NHL is great. I think selecting two Canadian markets was a good idea, especially with the curve being down. Um, yep. I can't wait for everything to kick off on the ice. I got to ask before one more thing before we jump into the Leafs for you yeah. going down to, you know, watch practices and getting into the building. You know, we heard so many different things about getting in there. How was it for you? And what was the experience like for, for yourself? It was, you know, 
all things considered, it was fine. Um, you know, is, is it crappy? You can't be in the room talking to the guys. Of course it is. I mean, that, what are you going to do? But I'm not complaining about it either. I mean, I understand what's what's happening here and what's at stake. And, you know, the fact that we were in the building, Jamie, at uh, Fort Performance Center and, and able to watch them. And with each, each day we went in, uh, listen, we had our temperature taken. There was a questionnaire we had to uh, answer to, um, uh, you know, COVID symptoms, all this sort of thing. Are you living with anyone who has it? You know anyone who does, you know, all that. You had your temperature done. And that was done every day. You wore a mask every day. Um, I think for the most part, those of us like, weren't anywhere near the players. I would watch them and that, but everything was done with the Zoom calls. And then as far as us and the actual media goes, I mean, we were spaced six feet apart uh, from where we could watch practice. And, uh, um, you know, it, it all it's one thing put it this way that's disappointing to me that we're not able to watch practice now um uh, with the guidelines coming to nhl because i saw it for two weeks work really well in toronto the least pr staff was great media we behaved ourselves and i don't see any reason why that wouldn't have continued going forward now with the actual game starting tomorrow the exhibition games but i also understand the nhl's point to a degree there are more teams in, in the Fort Performance Center now. Each each uh, ice surface is being taken for practices and that. So you have more people in the building. But we are being streamlined to one area of the building where we can watch. Um, and, it, and it worked well. But, uh, you know, like I say, hats off at least PR staff for, for making it work. The Zoom calls, we're getting four or five players a day. And again, perfect no of course not nothing in this day and age is going to be no uh, I, I i just wish that I, I guess in my for my line of thinking was we saw it work and i wish the nhl might have taken a, a bit of a longer view maybe talk to some people involved with the leafs about how it could have worked going forward now for practices um during the uh the qualifier round of the playoffs and how we could have been in there if you know if you really want to limit to one per outlet and everything that's fine but um you know, the fact we're on a practice now, I think we're all missing something for that. There's no question about that. But, uh, you know, we're going to be in the building for games. And, uh, you know, perhaps if some teams leave town and leave the hub. And once they've been eliminated, that practice uh, access will come back. But uh, for now, this is what it is. So we'll have to live with it. So you just mentioned you guys will be present for games in the building? Yes. Well, again, it's it's uh, one per outlet and... Uh, you know, I, I don't know the parameters of what's going to happen. I'm going to be tomorrow night going to the exhibition game, and Lance Hornby works with the Sun and I are going to be alternating once uh, the qualifying round against Columbus starts. But, uh, you know, we'll see how it goes. I mean, we have to think about deadlines and this sort of thing and how Zoom calls are going to work. And I think, you know, I nothing official yet, but I think we have to be out of the arena fairly quickly after games are done. It's not like, you know, we could have uh, – it was when things were normal and, and staying in the rink after and – and taking your time to write and everything. So we'll have to see how it goes, but, uh, you know, tomorrow night will be a bit of a guinea pig, I suppose. Uh, it's going to be that for the players, and it's going to be us for the media as well. No, it's going to be pretty cool. And obviously, it's good to hear that you guys will be there for the games, because that's yeah. stuff that, I, you know, as, as fans and as podcasters and as people that consume social media for all that you guys produce, it is absolutely awesome to know that you guys will be in there and it's not just going to be the major networks handling everything, you know, because obviously some things that you guys report are not things that they would report or would look at. So I like that idea um, to talk about the Maple Leafs. Obviously, you've been there. You've been watching them. What have you taken away? Obviously, um, at first, it seemed like the what did you say the Twitter brigade will go that way. 
was all over Freddie Anderson. He was getting lit up in practice or in the scrimmage games. And, you know, obviously you're going against the likes of Austin Matthews and John Tavares, Mitch Marner, and Ilya Mikheyev seem to be hot. Um, what were your initial thoughts of uh, Mr. Freddie Anderson? Well, you know what, I, I guess a, a bit difficult for him, but, uh, you know, I don't know. I, maybe the bigger picture tells you that his slow starts in October might might be a bigger concern and that, you know, uh, through regular seasons, there's been time for him to get into a groove and everything else and, and uh, you know, find a rhythm through October and then November has often been a really good month for him. Well, he's not going to have that now. Now, the X factor in all this, Jamie, is, is uh, Jack Campbell. Yep. At least I haven't had a backup goalie like this in quite a while. You certainly couldn't rely on going to Garrett Sparks or Michael Hutchinson last year against the Bruins if that's what you were going to do in the playoffs. Um, if there is an issue with Freddie Anderson, you know, starting Sunday or Tuesday or whatever, it's going to be incumbent on Sheldon Keefe to, to uh, make that decision quickly. But once he does, Jack Campbell's a different man for you. Um just a better caliber of backup goaltender and somebody that some people think will be the starter here. So whether Anderson is ready to go completely Tuesday night at eight o'clock or sorry, Sunday night at eight o'clock Eastern is not a big a deal as it might've been in the past because of the guy you have sitting on the bench ready to come in. So I'll have to see having said all that was Anderson terrible this week. No, he wasn't. Did he get, did he allow some goals against the least best players? Yes, he did. But he also was really sharp a lot of times, too. So, you know, I don't see that as, as a huge issue. I, I just think you have to take into consideration a couple of things. A, that yes, they're, you know, in the past, getting out of the gate in the beginning of the regular season, it's taken them some time. But B, now you have a guy who can go in there um, and do good things for you if that is the way that Keith decides to go. So I don't know that that's going to be a huge issue. And you also have to take in... I think for this series, at least, take into account of the opponents. Uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets don't fill the net on, no. you know, on their best night. So that'll be a factor. Um, it's going to be a factor that they play well defensively and they grind you into the ice. But on the other hand, they're not going to be in the offensive zone a ton, I would think, and not you know getting a lot of scoring chances overall. So we'll have to see. But I, I don't think that the Anderson factor overall is big concern right now is this is perhaps some people might think it should there it is no well I talked to Dennis Bernstein uh last week about uh Jack Campbell and the fact that a lot of people do see him maybe as the incumbent uh, starter over Freddie Anderson once Freddie moves on from the Leafs if they don't sign or choose to re-sign him um yeah. and he was a little hesitant to say you know he may not be able to carry the bulk of the load as it was handed over to him a couple times in LA with quick being hurt and you know he didn't really run with the ball but obviously yeah, Dennis was quick to point out as well that, you know, the team in front of him at times was decimated with injuries and obviously was, you know, not the same one that won the Stanley Cup. So you don't really know what you have there sometimes. Maybe he comes to Toronto and maybe this is a time where he peaks. Um, yep. I really do hope Freddie comes out locked in and ready to go. But we all know, too, with the, the Toronto Maple Leafs, you look at them, you know, the goaltending with Freddie may be slow, but the offense usually at the beginning of the season – was outscoring the problems. They were able to put in six yes. or seven goals. And, you know, they yeah. were clicking early where teams don't have their defensive game locked in. So where you're talking about Columbus not being able to score, and we'll touch on the series in a moment, but, mm -hmm. um, you know, that might be an X factor for them, especially if the refs have the whistles out. You know, you look at the Toronto Maple Leafs and what they can produce with their power play if it's clicking, that may be yeah. another X factor, much like the Boston Bruins have used against them in, you know, many years. 
Yeah, it could be. I mean, again, we're, we're not going to know, but if, if you go to the old adage that goaltending and special teams win you in the playoffs, right? Yeah. You know, th- those are going to be those are going to be factors here, and uh, and not only for you know as, as to what the Leafs power play might do, whether it's the first or second unit, but how other penalty killers perform and all this sort of thing. So, you know, it, it's going to be interesting. The one thing that you, you can't really get a handle on right now. Although a lot of times during this during the uh, the stoppage, we heard the, a lot of players say that you know the teams that are young and quick might have the advantage coming out of the gate, but we, we don't know. I mean, that's, that's yep. the X factor in here just has tentacles all over the place, and uh, we don't know that right now. Perhaps it'll be the team like a Columbus Blue Jackets that plays the way that they do and are coached by a man that they are and. And John Tortorella, um, that they're able to pick off, pick up where they left off on March 10th, 11th, 12th, whatever it was the last played, and and just you know reassume that style. And we don't know. It's going to be fascinating to see how it all breaks down starting on Sunday. But um, you know, um, I, I I think that a lot of the factors that go into your usual playoff rounds will be factors here. Like I say, your goaltending and who, who who's playing well for you and and how things are successful in the special teams. But, you know, like you say, it, it, it's the start of a brand new season. So do yep. the things that happen in the, happen in the regular season and playoffs in the past, does that come into play at all? We don't know. And, you know, the, the players will tell you too that they're really not quite sure what to expect. I know we asked Tavares about it on, uh, what's today, Monday, on Saturday. And he was saying, you know, there could be some wild hockey. There could be some, uh, you know, low-scoring two-one games. They don't know either. So, if they don't know, it, it, it would take quite a lot for me to sit here and tell you how it's going to turn out. But you know, that's why they play the games, right? I'm, I'm looking forward to it as much as anybody else. It's oh yeah, well, it's, it's it's good to get the game back on the ice. But the the thing that I think about the most is, and a lot of I talk to a lot of Columbus people that love their yeah. team and just want to know what's going to happen with them. You know, obviously Josh Anderson won't be there or available. He's on their roster, but he won't be ready to play, obviously, with the shoulder. But I look at their goaltending. We're just talking about the Leaf situation. You look at Elvis Merzlikens and you look at uh, Corpusalo, and those are two guys that really haven't carried the lion's share uh, with Bobrovsky being there. Obviously, Merzlikens is his first season. So you look at these two young guys going into a pressure cooker situation where you're jumping right into the playoffs after a four-month layoff during a pandemic, no training camp really. You know, with goaltenders, we all know between the years is the most important muscle. I'm wondering how much stress that puts on those young guys there and if the Leafs can feed into that. I mean, if you get a couple past, say, Merzlikens in Game 1, does that rattle them? And if you do the same thing to Corpusalo in Game 2, does that shake them up to the point where they're like, okay, is this what's going to happen every game? It could happen, but again, we don't know. I mean, what happens if one of those guys is hot right off the opening face-off on Sunday and gets that confidence (laughs) 10 minutes into a game? I've just stopped... Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, and Willie Nylander are on successive shifts. Yep. So you don't know, right? I mean, it could go that way. It could go the way that you're describing as well. But, you know, I just think that in the bigger picture for Columbus, the way that Tortorella has had that team playing, the way that uh, the style that they play, I mean, you know, I don't think we can assume much. The fact we're talking about the Columbus Blue Jackets in the playoffs is is uh, Astounding. a bit of a It is. I mean, you look at, listen, we all know, look who they lost last summer, right? Um, take away, you know, the equivalents in Toronto 
and then look at your Leafs. Say, okay, we're not taking away your, you know, your best, uh, a couple of your best forwards and your starting goalie, and then half your roster, not half, maybe a third of your roster, a third of your starters, and be hurt all year, and you're still going to make the playoffs. Now, the, the, the curious thing for me for Columbus is all these guys, for the most part, are healthy, aside from Josh Anderson. So, and this is a team that has that going for them, that health, and the experience of last year. You know, we can talk about all the potential the Maple Leafs have and, and everything that we think that they should be able to put on the ice and accomplish. What don't they have that these Columbus players have is a playoff victory. And the Columbus Blue Jackets did it against a team last year that they weren't supposed to beat. They had no business sweeping, let alone beating in a best of seven. They did it anyway. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk to Tortorella as the week progresses, I'm sure. I'm not sure how to react to the idea that that could give them a bit of an edge. But you know that that will give the players give them confidence, uh, some confidence going into this, that they have that in, in the back of their minds. And Because you don't know until you've accomplished something. And they've done that. And the Leafs haven't done it yet. Perhaps this will be the first round that they do it. It could very well happen, but the Jackets have that bit of experience that the Maple Leafs don't. So we'll see. But, uh, you know, again, the goaltending uh, in Columbus, they liked it all year. Cordero, I think, said today he's not going to decide until the night before who he's going to start, which I, I don't think, you know, I find a little bit hard to believe, but that's fine. If he wants to keep that to himself, no problem. But I think either guy that Columbus goes with, they're going to have confidence not only in themselves, but uh, those goalies have confidence in themselves as well. Well, going against the Columbus Blue Jackets, and we'll talk more about the, the Maple Leafs and their lines and things that are going around around yeah. the Leafs right now with the NHL perspective as well. But you, you look at the Columbus Blue Jackets, and for the Leafs to try to go through them, I think obviously the Leafs need to use their speed and hope yeah. and pray the whistles come out for any clutching or grabbing or stick work. But... I'm looking at this, and I think the Leafs need to to avoid the grinding game, which you know the Columbus Blue Jackets can employ on you. And you look yep. at a guy like Seth Jones, or you know Josh Anderson isn't there, but you look at Felino and just all these guys that it's by committee, and it's a team yep. effort. And that's what I'm wanting to see out of the Maple Leafs. I want to see that same kind of team effort. And you look at new, I call it new blood coming in the lineup. You have Sandine. And you have um, Robertson playing tomorrow night against the Montreal Canadiens. Both yeah. players very well might make the you know the opening night roster, or whatever you want to call it, the play-in roster. Um, what do the Leafs, in your opinion, besides the speed, need to do to neutralize Columbus to get to the to the next spot? Well, I, I think that uh, you know the Zach Hyman's of the world have to be effective. Bob Clifford's going to be in your fourth line, but he has to be effective in that spot. Um, I'm curious to see what becomes of Nick Robertson. I think tomorrow night is the, the game against the Canadians is huge for him because I don't necessarily think that that's written in stone that he'll play on Tuesday or sorry in the opener on Sunday against uh, Columbus. Um, he's got to show well against the Canadians. And listen, Jamie, it's one thing for Nick Robertson to play against uh, Morgan Riley and Tyson Berry and these others in scrimmages and practices and and know that. You know, the physicality just isn't going to be there because you don't do that to your own teammates. It's another to go against Shea Weber and whoever else tomorrow night for the Canadians and try to come out of the corner with the puck. So I think it's going to be a great test for the kid. Um, but as far as the Leafs go as a whole, I mean, you know, I thought it was kind of interesting. Kyle Clifford said this week, well, we have to match their intensity and their ethic and that sort of thing. Well, Yes, I agree with that to a degree, but why not set the tone yourselves? Yeah. I mean, we've seen the Leafs play 
when they are when they're at their best, it's that hard charging, um, not necessarily physical, but it's still a really good forecheck. It's possession. It's it's playing a lot in the offensive zone. Um, you know, let's call a spade a spade here. In the, in the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets, the Leafs aren't playing the defending Stanley Cup champions. Yes, they did play. They did beat the Tampa Bay Lightning last year, and they did it with a style they're going to bring starting on Sunday against the Leafs. But they still can be beaten. The Columbus Blue Jackets didn't go on after after beating Tampa. So, you know, they're going to have to. Leafs are going to have to have that that same kind of energy. And like I say, not necessarily try to match what Columbus is doing, but try to surpass them as well. And if, um, you know, the D can hold up on the four check and that sort of thing and get through that and, and move the puck up the ice. Well, um, you know, the Leafs are in a good spot, but like I say, you know, the Cam Atkinson's, Nick Foligno's, Boone Jenner's of the world. Others aren't just going to, you know, roll over the Leafs. And he, and he, no, they're not, not at all. These guys were there last year. They know what it takes to win. So, but the the, the Leafs, I mean, the the skill is there. We we know that. I mean, the, the, those top two lines, well, you can roll out there. A guy like Gillian McKeon. You know, I've made note of this a few times writing the past few weeks. It's like the trade that Dubas never made at the deadline, getting him back down healthy. And, and not only that, he this is a guy here watching in camp thinking, has he really not played since December? It's kind of hard to believe. He was just so good and effective. Again, I know, listen, I guess it's against some teammates. You're not going to the same kind of pushback you'll get in a real game. But, um, you know, the least to a man are healthy other than Andreas Johnson, as we know. But Even he's they, back they, on the they, ice, they, though. Sorry. Yeah, he is too, and he, you know, he could be back for the second or third round, whatever that means. So he's not even a factor right now. But the Leafs have the ability to push the play. We know that we saw them do it, and there's no reason um, why we can't, why we should think they won't be able to do that against Columbus, no matter how hard Columbus comes at you. The Leafs, the Leafs, you know, I, I, I do buy into what Kyle Dubas said today that he's liked the growth in the club overall in these four months and what he's seeing and the fact they've been together since day one of phase two. There's a lot of cohesiveness there. You have to make it work out against NHL opponents, but the initial stage, I think the initial signs are good for them. I look at a player like Ilya Mikheyev, and you talked about him, obviously. He's been on the ice with Muzzin, obviously, before they were allowed to go back on the ice rehabbing. He's been right. skating. He's been working. I heard a lot about him working on his shot. I'm wondering yeah. what you can tell us, what you deduced from the fact that, you know, now he's shooting the puck a little bit more. He seems to be a little bit more, I guess, with more offensive prowess than he was. I'm wondering yeah. if you noticed that throughout camp, or is that just things that we're pointing out because we're seeing just clips of him filling the net, so to speak? No, he uh, he's befitting of a guy who's on the second line who has that you know you, who has the ability to score. I mean, uh, he he just and I just the way he was in camp, he was hard charging. He had this, he had his seating was as excellent. I mean, that was not an issue for him. It was just getting that, that power back in his wrist and everything and, and being able to shoot the puck. And, you know, it was interesting to me. I mean, one of the last times I was at MasterCard Center before, or Fort Performance, sorry, before the uh, lockdown happened was February, I think it was February 23rd. It was the day after David Ayers beat the Leafs and we were there on a Sunday. Leafs are off. We went to talk to Ayers, but who are the two Leafs on the ice taking shots on them that day were McKayev and Nylander? How many months ago is that? I mean, that's you're going back, what, uh, five months ago? Yep. So this is a guy who's been at it for a long, long time. And like you say, he was on the ice with months and a lot throughout. They had the exemption to work out while everyone else was sitting at home twiddling their thumbs because they were injured. Um, so that, that really worked for him. And, um, you know, just a real dedication there. 
you know, I suppose he could have gone home to Russia, but uh, the goal was to stay in Toronto, work with the development team. Never mind improve his English. I mean, the guy's English is like night and day. That's what it was when we last saw him. He can, it, it's great. He's really done well in that department as well. And, uh, you know, he gives, like I said, he gives the Leafs now a, a real threat there they didn't have before. The chemistry with Tavares and Marner was obvious. And, um, you know, he was just doing a lot of good things, I thought, in scrimmages, even when he wasn't scoring. The uh, ability to keep the puck on the stick in the offensive zone and he was getting pressured and all this sort of thing. Uh, using his size properly in corners and, uh, you know, fending guys off his backside and all that. Uh, I just thought he did really well. And um, that's the type of thing you're going to need from your offensively-minded players against a team like Columbus, there's no doubt. And, I, you know, I, I think that he could be a real... Uh, you know, I hate to say that, but a bit of an X factor for the Leafs because a guy that, you know, I when did the Leafs even play Columbus again? Back in October, I guess. Yep. Um, I think it played them twice, right? Yeah. So they were supposed to play them in March before the lockdown happened. So and you know, Columbus, you know, they'll, they'll have a bit of us forgot to report on him, but I think the guy that they're going to see starting Sunday is a bit different than what they saw. Sure, he is back back in October. I mean, there's no doubt about it. He's just a different and, and better hockey player than he was then. Well, I want to ask, uh, before we jump into the fact that the Leafs are toying with the idea of having an all-star line, who was the other player that really stood out to you watching the, uh, I guess, training camp and scrimmage games? Well, you know what? I'll be honest with you. Um, I don't know anyone who's had coronavirus, luckily. Okay, I guess Austin Matthews would be the only guy I know that's had it, quote-unquote. Um, but for someone who's coming off that, so my, my point is, I, it's hard to know how that affects anybody physically unless you have it, I guess, and, and, and what you know of it, whether you're asymptomatic or not. He seemed to get, get it through it fine. And even though he thought he was a bit sluggish to start camp, by the end he was doing really good things. And, and you know, just everything that comes around coronavirus, all the stories are read about it. Um, you wonder how it's going to impact each individual that has it. By the end of, uh, you know, this phase, uh, phase three, which would have been Saturday, he, he was looking like the Austin Matthews of old, and and uh, maybe that shouldn't be a surprise. I don't know, but uh, he looks primed and ready to go. Marner did too. Um, you know, it, it, I'm, I'm curious to see how the defense corps works works in all this. I mean, uh, you know, it, uh, the, the two main pairings, if you will, Jamie, were against the Matthews uh, group from most of the scrimmages and didn't fare too well. Um, but again, um, you know, training camp scrimmages are one thing, exhibitions are another, qualifying round is another, but, you know, Matthews was good. Uh, Nick Robertson, we didn't know two or three weeks ago, you know, you can assume uh, that he's going to be able to do some of the things he did for the Peterborough Peets, but, you know, when you're doing in the Ontario Hockey League, a league that I love, I mean, a level of hockey that I think is great, it's it's no comparison to the NHL. He's played five playoff games for the Peets in three years, and I know he played at the World Junior, but five playoff games is not a lot of experience. He comes into camp, what does he do? He looks like he belongs. I mean, the the um, like I say, it's one thing to forecheck like a buzzsaw against, you know, the second defense there, the Saginaw Spirit at Ottawa 67th. It's quite, an, it's quite a, another thing to do it against someone like Jake Muzzin, who's been doing this for years, is one of the best at it his position in the National Hockey League. Um, Robertson's confidence was there. Uh, there was no lack of that. I thought his speed was there. The shot is 
probably better than 50% of the people he was on the ice with, if not more. Um, so he, he really stood out. And, you know, I, I just think overall, from a team perspective, the, like, you know, if the Leafs somehow lose in this first, in this qualifying round and, and they go home on August 7th or 8th or 9th, I, I think I will be surprised because they've been able to come together as a team quite well since around June 8th or whatever it was that Phase 2 started. And I think it really showed... Um, they really demonstrated that in phase three in the scrimmages and, and just the chemistry, the intensity, all this sort of thing. So I think the bigger thing for me, I was thinking about this the other day, Jamie, was that it wasn't who, who stood out to me like in a good way in camp for the two weeks. It was more that you couldn't really look at guys and say, oh, he's really struggled, that guy's really struggled. Kasperi Kapanen didn't fill the net but he still was effective, for example. I mean, so a lot of players are doing a lot of good things whether they were scoring or not. I think that's probably the biggest thing to take out of it. You know, like I say, not that there were guys you look at and say, oh, he's really struggling or that guy's really struggling. I think a lot of them were, were really in tune with, with what they were doing and where they want to be starting uh, this week. Well, no, that's it's good to hear because obviously them being together since June 8th, you know, I'm wondering if that was a Maple Leaf thing, wanting guys to get into the city as quick as possible, obviously serve your quarantine, and then be able to get on the ice with your, your mates and skate in those groups. And it seemed like a lot of players were really gung-ho for the Maple Leafs to get that in and get started with that. Um, from your perspective, obviously, watching this squad, is this the closest they've ever been, obviously, on the ice with talking, communication? Because obviously communication is key between players. And, you know, that's something over the years of the Leafs, has been an issue, um, you know, players butting heads, whether it be in the locker room or just wherever. You you hear the little chirps and stories, but we all know that chemistry can lead you a long way towards the, the you know. Through. And I'm wondering if this group is is you know knocking on that door of being a group that is really bonded together. Yeah, I think so. And you know what, the, the, the things that you allude to, I haven't seen that for a few years anyway. I mean, really, since this young group took over, and, and really since the signing of John Tavares two years ago. Uh, that type of thing has gone by the wayside. So that's 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 not a factor anymore. And, you know, um, listen, we, the, every team feels good about itself coming out of training camp every year. You know, every team convinces itself that, hey, perhaps we have the, the, uh, the, uh, the group to win it all this year. But, uh, you know, this is a Leaf team, too, that, you know, has gone through these playoff um, uh, disappointments together for the most part. Um, although it has been quite a while now, longer than usual since, you know, the most recent loss to the Bruins uh, a year ago, April. Um, so you would think that, that some of that will work in their favor. It's going gonna, it's gonna to happen at some point, those experiences, Jamie. And, and uh, you know, it's quite possible what could happen now. It's quite possible they could win the series on skill alone, and, and that won't have been a factor for them. Um, but, uh, you know... And just the collective mindset, Dubas alluded to it today when he was talking to us about that growth that he's seen. The fact that they were all serious about getting back here for June 8th. I know, you know, Anderson and Matthews weren't back for obvious reasons right away. But, you know, you, you look around the league and that wasn't happening in a lot of cities. You know, Cam Neely was saying last week about, you know, he voices disappointment over the fact the Bruins were kind of slow to get back to Boston about the guys from Europe and they just didn't have that type of, uh, you know, gelling that he would have liked to have seen 
uh, apparently in phase three. I mean, we don't know we were watching ourselves, but just going on what, you know, Cam Neely was saying. So that's another example of how it could have been for the Leafs. But um, I think the fact they were back here, I think a lot of the work that John Tavares did behind the scenes to keep these guys um, motivated, talking to them a lot, uh, whether it was on the phone or through uh, Zoom or, you know, FaceTime, whatever it is, however it is they were uh, connecting, they were doing a lot of that no matter where they were on the continent, because they were spread out, a few guys in Europe, of course. But uh, um, there just seems to be a, um, a real uh, a singular focus right now. And um, I, I think that, you know, when you've been together for the better part of a month, I mean, if, you, if this is a normal year, say you're, you're, you know, you're in training camp, you know, you're going into your opener on October 2nd or 3rd, you know, you kind of been skating a bit since you know, around the end of August. I mean, this is a longer time the Leafs will have been together than they have been for quite a while uh, before the start of the season, if most of them been here since June 8th. So for everything we've seen right now, it's been a bonus for them, a real positive. Well, I want to ask you about a line that Sheldon Keefe is uh, wrinkling into the situation, and that yeah. is uh, John Tavares, Mitch Marner, and Austin Matthews. Um, obviously, with Matthews centering that line, um, do you see him using that as a go-to line or just as a line maybe if they're down or if they're pressing or is that a line that he's going to throw out there just to completely mess with the Columbus Blue Jackets or any team they're facing as a here's our three best go ahead and try to chase them yeah well yeah, what have we learned under Sheldon Keith and since he was hired November 20th is that he's very open to doing these sorts of things his predecessor is not we know that um, so is there a possibility yes is is does Sheldon Keith have more confident in that if then the next line he throws out with William Nylander at center can get that done? Then yes, but I, I don't think we're going to see a lot of it, Jamie. I really don't. There could be some wrinkles there. I would like to think that in a perfect world, um, Sheldon Keith doesn't have to quote unquote resort to putting that mm-hmm. line together. Yeah, because you're not you're not going to do it if things are going well. That's true. Why would you if you're up two or three or even a goal in the game? I don't think you want to. You're going to want to mess with with what got you there. Fact is, it's an option for him. And those three guys were together that day in scrimmage. I can't remember what day it was. Now you kind of sit there and go, "Wow!" I mean, the the potential of what these guys could do, and even Tavares playing in an unfamiliar position on the wing. I mean, it, it was quite obvious. Um, if you have the confidence one day in, in, in William Nylander to make him a full time center, perhaps I think probably he will be that one day for them. I just don't know when. I mean, they have a lot of time to figure that out. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's quite a threesome if you can put them together and make it work. Again, I don't know that necessarily they're going to see it, but it, the fact that Keith was willing to try it in the scrimmage, how does this look? How does it look with Nylander as your, as your center on the second line? Leads you to believe that it could happen at some point. So we'll have to see, but it's awfully enticing for people who love to watch me please play. Oh, it was it was a neat treat to to hear about it, to watch it, to see it, and obviously yeah. knowing that that's there. I mean, there's all kinds of mind games. You look at Seth Jones already uh, throwing out the "Where's Robbie?" about the Maple Leafs. He asking about Nick Robertson is yeah. what we're all alluding to, and you know those things are out there. And you think a coach is not going to play a little psychological warfare? You know, imagine being a defender on the Columbus Blue Jackets thinking, hey, at any moment I might have to go up against Marner, Matthews, and Tavares all at once. Not to mention toss out O'Reilly and maybe uh, Tyson Berry on the back end just to go full offense on you. 
you know that's a that's a lot to handle so to throw that little mind game out there the little wrinkles it's it's always welcome um but we haven't got to talk since everything shook out with the cba and the return to play um there's a question i want to ask you the maple leafs have been a team that you know off the ice uh been able to flex their muscle and build a facility and you know build things for their organization that other teams can't or don't have the funds or, or means to do so I'm wondering what you take from the fact that they will no longer be able allowed to uh, to work out prospects in the summer or fly them in or have them do different things, which has been growing their, their talent pool, obviously. And obviously they've had some other players from other teams working with some of their people as well. I'm wondering if you see that as kind of a uh, unfair thing towards the Maple Leafs. Obviously we know they can't spend because of the cap to get the players they want, but I always thought that the off-ice things or even, I guess this matter, the on-ice training – you know, was something that they could use their financial muscle for and be able to build and keep things going in a nice direction for their squad. But it doesn't look that way anymore. And I'm wondering, Terry, how you how you perceive that, and is it a slight against the Maple Leafs? Well, it could be, but you know what? I'll be honest with you. I don't think it's going to have a huge impact overall because I think the guys that their prospects and the way that Kyle Dubas runs his team a lot of the things will be happening during the summer, no matter where these kids are. It's just, you're not going to have that, that, uh, for lack of a better word, supervision of it, uh, you know, person to person. But I think the way the programs are run now, the way the Maple Leafs were doing things, we could even see the lockdown as a bit of a, a trial run for the things they're going to have to do now while you're doing this a lot from distance yep. uh, going forward. Um, I think the Leafs had, were, were really, uh, um, they just had a good plan in place for, for, for their players. I know they weren't on the ice a lot. Now, when things, quote-unquote, get back to normal, the players will be be on the ice more often, um, you know, in the off-seasons. So it's not going to be at the Fort Performance Center. It's going to be where they're living. But I just think that what this group has, has, has built, the culture, and, you know, people can talk about it however they want. But I believe that... It started with Lula, well, it started with Shanahan hiring Lamorello. Dubas learns from him. Dubas comes into his own ideas. A lot of his own ideas tend to go to these things we're talking about now. And you know, do you want them all under one roof and learning and living together, and maybe you know, going out for beers or for dinner at the end of the day on a day and a hot day in July? Sure, that would be great. Um, but you know, I, I, I think the Leafs will, will be able to get around that and. Uh, you know, put it this way: I don't think we're going to be watching the Leafs in two, three, four years, and they're struggling, and people are going to be stroking their chins, thinking, "Boy, if only they'd been together, if they had their prospects under the same roof all summer, or only they would learn under the same roof all summer." Or, you know, guys are encouraged to stay in Toronto more. I don't think it's going to be um, that much of a, of a of a negative impact. Is it crappy to look at right away and say, "Okay, this is going to happen now"? And call it the Maple Leafs clause, new CBA or whatever. Well, yeah, it is, but um, I, I just don't see. I just the way that this group, this management group, thinks, the way the development staff thinks. I don't think it's going to be a, a really big issue for them in the long run. And it could be one of those things too, where where fans, rightfully so, of the Leafs, they're very passionate about, are are a little more up in arms about it, perhaps more than the um, the management team would be. We'll have to see, but again, I, I it's uh, I just don't see it being a negative, uh, a real negative over the long term, where it, where it impacts the Leafs year over year over year. 
Well, you look at a player like Nick Robertson, and obviously he wasn't in Toronto for you know a period of time, and he was emailing and, and showing the videos of everything he was doing to make sure he was doing it right, and that is something that can be done. That can be done that way, no problem. He said that he was messaging them so much that he was annoying them because he wanted to make sure he was doing it down to the button what it was. He was you know, showing the nutritionist everything he was putting into his body. So, I mean, guys can do it that way, prospect-wise, if you want to nail it down that way, and that can still be done. So you're right. I mean, I don't think we'll be sitting there wondering if this guy was on the ice with the Leafs in, in Toronto, if he'd be that much better. But it just kind of, to me, it seemed like, the like you said, the Maple Leaf Clause, I was just like, you know, in my head, as a fan, you're right. I I think about it, you know, they can't spend the money for the on-ice talent. You know, they can spend and build for other things, and that used to be the way. And, you know, I'll echo Steve Dangle, you know, how far does it stretch to, you know, if you want parity across the league, do you want to start cutting down on the amount of coaches the Leafs have? And, you know, how many other people have hands-on access to the players, et cetera, et cetera. So you, you just wonder if it's a slippery slope, but I agree with you. I don't think it's going to be you know, a detriment in the long run, I think we'll, we'll still be fine. Like I use Nick Robertson as an example. Right. Well, a good example. You're right. How did he come and play in camp? He was excellent. Yeah. How was he? I, I'm assuming he was the same in, in phase two. We didn't get a look at that obviously, but uh, you know, um, hey, hey, Jamie, it might have the effect where the Leafs dig in their heels and these prospects dig in their heels in the years going forward and said, okay, fine. You're going to take away, you know, these quote unquote advantages that we had. Now we'll just find other ways to make sure that when we do arrive in camp on September 15th or whatever it is, we're more than ready to go. Or when we do go back to our junior clubs or when we're playing for the Marlies, here are all the things we've been able to accomplish without that hands-on help in the off-season. So, you know, it, it could work that way as well. Um, again, I get the initial reaction to it on the surface. It's, it's not great. But like I say, I mean, we're not going to be – this is not going to be a, a – a detrimental factor in, in keeping the Leafs back uh, from what they want to do in the, in the much bigger picture. I don't see it that way. No, yeah, like I said, I agree with you. And uh, we lean on the Nick Robertson example. And I mean, that can continue on and continue on with different players. Um, I got to ask the last question for you. Yep. Obviously the Toronto Maple Leafs take on the Montreal Canadiens tomorrow night uh, in an exhibition game, which is going to be great. Everybody gets pumped up for that. How hard do you see the players going? Well, it, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's a good question because you, we've already noted, uh, the, Sheldon Keeve has noted this, it's one exhibition game, so you're going to see more or less a full NHL lineup, which you don't always see in an exhibition game, right? Uh, you're never, you know, spaced out one or two extra players. Um, but having said all that, you know, Matt Oscar Matthews saying to us today, probably intends to be good, but at the same time, it's one one exhibition game, and you don't want to go out there and hurt yourself, and then look at it and go, "My God, I, you know, I just blew this chance to play in this qualifying round, whether you're playing for the Canadians or the Leafs, and now I can't because you know this happened, and I went a little bit overboard or whatever." I, having said that, hockey players are hockey players, and uh, you know their first game since the, the beginning, the middle of March. Um, they'll want to try to get the kinks out as much as they can before the real fun happens. And I think it's going to be, you know, probably more intense than you'd normally see in an exhibition game. I mean, uh, you know, as far as the Maple Leafs go specifically, we, we we're pretty sure that Robertson's going to get a look on the line with Alex Kerfoot and Kapanen and, uh, you know, Engvall on the fourth line between Clifford and Spezza. 
And, you know, it's a big game for Robertson. He's not going to take anything off. There's no doubt about that. He wants to show Sheldon Keith. He wants to show Kyle Dubas. He wants to show Brendan Shanahan. He's capable of playing Sunday against Columbus. And, uh, you know, I think it's going to be a big test for him. Like I said earlier, it's one thing to play against your own teammates in scrimmage. It's quite never to against the Shea Webbers of the world in an exhibition game or whoever the Canadians are now on the blue line. NHL veterans. So, He's not going to leave anything in the dressing room by any stretch of imagination, but uh, I, I, it should be a good hockey game. Um, you know, these guys are, are just as curious as we are to see what they have. I think they are as well to see what they're able to do in the first night back, uh, you know, after after not having played in, in five months or four months, whatever it is, you know. So, like I say, I think it's going to be a good hockey game. And, uh and the fact that they're not going to be able to do it again for their four or five nights in the least case, you know, I think they'll leave everything out there. Well, I'm looking forward to everything getting back onto the ice, seeing the Maple Leafs play against the Montreal Canadiens and the Columbus Blue Jackets. Terry, I cannot wait to uh, see your reports from inside the rink tomorrow night with everything fully set up and ready to rock and roll. I'm also looking forward to a deep playoff run so we can talk again, my friend. Thank you for always uh, making the time. I really appreciate it. No problem. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. You know, seeing what it's like for myself, and uh, yeah, maybe we can reconvene sometime in the middle of August and talk about the Bruins or Lightning or Capitals or whoever it's going to be next, right? So, I'm all for it. We can do a little say, preview. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it, it's, it's going to be interesting. I just, uh, you know, I, I think that it's remarkable the NHL has got to this point now, and the idea that it looks like they're going to be able to pull this off is, is something else entirely. So. Uh, kudos to the NHL. Kudos to the players to make it work. I mean, without without them leaving, for lack of a better word, uh, this wouldn't be happening. So uh, we'll see how it all goes. But uh, yeah, if you had told me back in March, Jamie, that you know we'll see you July 28th at the SBA, I would have told you you were uh, you know mixing a double or whatever you just had. But I wouldn't have believed it. But <laughs> here we are. No, we're ready to rock and roll. So I can't wait to see everything shake out. Obviously, go Leafs, go and. Uh, Terry, again, be safe when you're out there, and we look forward to your reports. Okay, take care. Be safe as well. Thanks, Jimmy. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. That is Terry Koshan of the Toronto Sun. He will be in the building tomorrow night, alternating with Lance Hornby, obviously checking out the Montreal Canadiens, taking on the Maple Leafs in an exhibition game. Cannot wait for this to kick off. Hope you enjoyed the chat. Kick back, relax. We got more coming your way this evening. Let's go, Leafs, go. (laughs) 